everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Caroline Talks. And as usual, I'm your host, Caroline. And today I'm joined by four special guests. And they are the writer, Annalise Lockhart, of the film, writer and director of the film Inheritance, which is, as we're filming now, currently screening at the Palm Springs Film Festival. And I'm joined by her cast, Victoria A. Miller, Ron Rice, and Dillion Dallas. And I'll ask them to introduce themselves and then we'll get into the film. So Annalise, can you go first? Yes. Hi. Okay. Um, I'm Annalisa Lockhart. Um, as you said, I'm writer director of Inheritance. Um, yeah, my name has an E at the end, and it's been sort of like the love and bane of my uh, existence, but um, has helped me be more outgoing. Um, yeah, and I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. And Victoria. Hi, I'm Victoria Avillier. Um, Thanks for having me. This is so cool. I get to see all you guys' faces. Yay. And Ron? I'm Ron Bryce. I play character Jeffrey. It's so good to see this cast. Wonderful cast after, well, two years almost. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and Deleon. Hi, name is Deleon Dallas. I play the character of Tucker or Tuck. Um, and it's just wonderful to see everybody, man. It's been so long, my goodness. Yeah, thank you for having me, yeah. Thank you. I'm gonna have to like edit out my part because I realized I said, <laughs> I said Miller, that's the dyslexia talking. Um, so it's Villiers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it happens a lot. It's okay, I appreciate it. <laughs> okay, so Annalise, I, Annalise, so the E has, is it like, does it like, would it have like a, a you know the little dash at the end for if it's like French. Is that what it is? No, it 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 would be helpful if it had an accent on it. Um, no, it's um, my. It's sort of like a Northern European, like uh, like Lisa. Uh, like okay. Yeah. So wait a second. All this time. We've been saying Annalise, and you've been letting us walk away with that. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think. I didn't think. Never so. corrected us. Never, never. I'd have been like Lisa. Thank you. <laughs> if you called me Annie, I feel like that's. I don't know. Right. I feel like daily I can call me Annie at least. I do. I do. I do. Just like mm. that's Annie. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the film is a short film, and it's about this family that li it lives in the forest of Vermont. Now, me, no, I like I like camping, but living—that's a whole different story. Um, so they're they're living on this property, and they're surrounded by woods. And from what I gather, like they own they—it's a very big part of the plot. I think that, um, the fact that they have the deed to the land because the deed deed is the official government claim and legal claim saying this person or this family owns this property this is theirs free and clear and it seems that also tuck um runs of our a farm a maple milling farm in the fact that he farms the maple from the trees around them and i, I find this film is very interesting because it deals with like a bit of supernatural science fiction and then there's drama and history because um, when it comes to these kind of films where you're talking about black people owning land, especially owning land in America, there's a lot of context to this. So before we get into all of that, um, Annalisa, can you just say a little bit about the inspiration for this film and how you decided to integrate these different genres into this short film? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, so, so yeah, I think, well, first of all, the, <laughs> the house where we filmed is actually my 
mother's cabin in Vermont. Um, we didn't live there, but we spent a lot of summers there. I'm from uh, Manhattan. Um, lived there my whole life, like many generations going back. But um, yeah, I definitely was kind of inspired by some of the stories of friends I had in the area in Vermont, um, just where like, um, of course, like the presence of black people in that area is very, it can be low at times or seem like it is. Um, and then on top of that, just um, the, you know, the experience with us having that house there kind of, even after many decades, somebody would knew would move up the block and, you know, have lived there for a couple of years and be like, well, they must be new. And it's like, no, like you're new. We're not new. We've been here this whole time. Um, and then of course, like home ownership is so important to me. I think like home ownership and legacy um, as something that I really saw worth fighting for. Um, Cause I've also, it's unfortunately can be kind of, it can be rare um, for black families to be able to pass down property. Um, and then as well um, in, and you know, like when you're writing something and you tell people about it, you like hear more and more stories that are related to it. Like Catherine, who is one of the ghosts, when she read the script, she was like, oh my gosh, I've actually heard stories about this happening. Like people getting their deed to their house stolen or missing um, has happened a lot like in New England as well. Um, and I think that <laughs> all of these things pair really well with horror and science fiction to me. Because um, I sort of see horror as like, you know, besides like my enjoyment of the genre, I think I see it as like this sort of setup of like, especially for a short film, like, oh my gosh, our heroes have this really tough set of circumstances. Like, how are they gonna get out of it? And science fiction, I see as a genre full of solutions. So it's like, um, science fiction is like, oh, we have this like human made technology that is going to help us get out of, uh, bad set of situations so i think that those genres can pair really well together mm. and um, for and for the cast um what were your first thoughts when you got the script and how did you go about auditioning for it because i find the characters they're a family but they there's this underlying um I, I i called it not tension but this unease amongst them because there's a very there's a scene in particular when um because they're celebrating Nora's birthday and there's a moment where Tucker and Jeffrey look at each other and I'm like these two seem kind of shady and <laughs> like you know like I was I'm like what is going on here like I read the synopsis but I'm so like what are these two I'm like they know something so for the, for the three of you when you read the script like what were your your first impressions of the characters like because like, I was like I don't know if I trust them like what what are they keeping from her <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, when I first read the script, I remember thinking, um, how brilliant Tucker is. Like, the, the idea, because there's a, there's a scene, 
that I have in the film where he uses the maple trees uh, as as a um, a device to create to create this force kind field. of invisible force field, yeah, from from the ghost. And I'm thinking to myself, like, oh wow, to be able to play a character that is this ingenious and so, and like to use his environment around him to protect the family, right? But also, also knowing that, yo, we see ghosts, <laughs> you, know? you know, like that's, you know, it's, it's, um, yeah, I just, I just really, I was telling, I was ten, telling Annie when I, when, when we first auditioned that, you know, I really um, appreciated what she, uh, what she had done with this script and also just like, it's like, yeah, this this ability to see ghosts and know that we're haunted by this, and uh, uh, Victoria's character not really being aware of anything quite yet until she brings it to um, brings it to her brother and her father, you know, about like what's going on, how, why, why are these things happening? Who are these these people that are haunting us, haunting our family? You know. I, I uh, personally, I just love the unit right off the top. I, I love the whole family thing. And uh, having the outside obstacle of this, you know, has nothing to do with how connected the family is. It's just something that they basically overcome together. And when I read that, I yeah. that's why I fell in love with the script right away, you know. Yeah, I agree. It's like each without one person, there wouldn't be like this full unit that they once like Nora understands what's going on. It, it, it's a missing like puzzle piece. Mm -hmm. um, and I really liked in near like the end when like or when like Tucker is showing Nora the McCoy field and then kind of like immediately it's like, oh, OK, we are going to resolve this issue. We have a plan. Um, yeah, and like kind of there's like a montage of everyone kind of doing yeah. a little bit. And I'm like, okay, this is really dope. Like they, they're really about like protecting their family and their own legacy um, by any means necessary. Yeah. And I really like that, yeah. Mm, um, so the first thing I want to kind of like almost go in chronological order with the film because I like how the way the I like how everything plays out in a specific order, especially with the dialogue. There's certain parts of how the dialogue um ties into everything that happens at the end like um that it starts out when they're celebrating Nora's Nora's birthday and her father gives her the deed and like for me like I did paralegal study so I know how important it is to have the actual copy in your hand because like most people they do celebrate and they make having the deed a big deal and um and there is a moment where she where she has to blow the candle. And I, my first thought was like, girl, why you got this thing so close to this candle? And <laughs> nobody's ever said that. I like that. Wow. That was, that was my first. I'm like, why are you holding this thing so close? I'm like, girl, what do you think? Bring it back. It's, um, foreshadowing. Yes. <laughs> it's, hard, yeah. hard to, it's hard to remain spoiler free. Uh, with yeah. a 14 minute film. It's yeah. true, it's true. Yeah. Um, 
you know how how comfortable are you with like spoilers because like for me i'm i tend to like kind of go into spoilers because i like to discuss like those small details but if you don't want to discuss like super spoilers that's perfectly fine with me too oh that's fine that's fine let's go all in okay (laughs) i can talk about i can talk about how i love spoilers for like the rest of the interview Right? <laughs> I love spoilers because I always tell people like spoil it for me because that doesn't change how I how I view it because I I don't have visual context. All you're telling me is what you see, and it doesn't change how I might interpret what you're telling me. Right? So like yeah. I like spoilers never bother. Very me. true. Yeah. Um. So so like we we, we like we starting from like the deed and for the, the 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 part the birthday. So we don't know how old Nora is, but I'm getting the sense that when they see the ghost, it's connected to their birthdays. Like it's almost like uh like I thought of it almost like a generational curse. So where like as each generation reaches a certain age and they celebrate their birthday, this is when the ghosts appear to them. Like the ghosts are always there, but this is when they actually see them. So is am I reading that right? Is that what it is? Um, definitely. And I think that definitely. And I think that um, you know, just that horror kind of reflects life. I think that I just wanted to um shine a light on how families try to like shield each other from this generational trauma and protect um protect their younger uh, daughter younger sister family members um but you know unfortunately sometimes sharing is is better and giving somebody warning is better um but i think that you know i imagine you're always kind of just hoping that I don't tell them like maybe it just won't happen um, and at least in my family i've definitely experienced that yeah I, I i always thought that's the reason we hadn't told her was the hope that it wouldn't happen right yeah, yeah i thought that was the whole character thing that you know uh, i know it happened with uh tuck mm-hmm. but i'm still hoping that maybe it won't happen with the girl that yeah. kind of thing yeah. Yeah. But don't you think it was, even if she had never seen them, don't you think it's still kind of unfair that she never knew that her brother and her father had this experience, especially one that's tied so closely to the land that they live on? Because, like, even if I can't see ghosts, I'm like, if you're telling me there's a ghost walking around, like, I need to know. Like, I mean, the Caribbean, we don't play with them. We don't play with them. <laughs> you know, we don't, black people, we don't play that kind of way. And, like, my mom would be like, I can't see it, but I'm going to get some all I want and put a cross on the door and start saying prayers. Like, you, don't, you, don't you guys think it's unfair to not, to not give her that knowledge, that important part of, their, of who they are as people? Because that's an experience that she doesn't know that they're having around her. Mm. I mean, yeah. in my family, we never... Uh, it's like n- not my whole childhood. Was, nobody ever talked about seeing ghosts. And then I wrote this, this movie, and then like when people were like, "I've seen a ghost," I've seen a ghost. I was like, "What's the? What? Where's the sharing?" Sorry, really on your. No, no, no. I, no, I was, I was just gonna say that you know, I, I, I think um, we were, I think. Tucker and Pops was really just trying to protect Nora, you know, from from having to ever really just protect her from these ghosts, but also that, you know, this information that, you know, our family has, you know, I won't call it a a curse, but, you know, just we we see ghosts and we until I guess until she says something, you know, 
um, ho- hopefully we, we, we're just hoping that she doesn't see them too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because they're not just ghosts either. I was going to say, I'm like, is it because they were white ghosts? <laughs> because well, it's, yeah. they're, they're ghosts that are angry about something that has nothing to do with us. Right. You know, so obviously they're really upset about something. And I mean, we kind of (laughs) know, but we didn't do anything about that to make Mm. that happen. So, you know, right. Yeah, and for and for Victoria, I found Nora's reaction to me. She was kind of like she accepted it pretty quick. Like she didn't freak out at all. She was just like, yeah. So there's like these 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 strange people. (laughs) Hanging out in the woods. I'm like, she seemed pretty calm, cool, and collected. If it was me, I'd be like, you know what, Lord Jesus, you know. <laughs> that's, <right. laughs> that's true. Yeah. You know, it's like, what What do you expect in, like, the woods? You know, some weird stuff's going to happen. She's probably seen some other odd things where she's kind of like, hey, guys, has anyone else noticed? And they seem pretty cool about it, too. So I think it was like a like a like an acting exercise mm. where it was like, mm. You know, or how I took it as was like an acting exercise. Like if I'm calm and cool and collective and they're calm about it, like then maybe it's like, maybe it's just like a person who's like picking up, you know, I don't know, wood too. I don't know. Cause I don't know. Cause she, I'm like, excuse, like, I don't know. It's just, that's a good point, that's a good point though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess it's, yeah. She's seen some weird stuff in the woods and she's like, Anyone else peep that? No? Okay, I'm gonna go back right. my business, you know? Right. There was an earlier draft where she sort of sees them and says like, are you looking for the trail? Like the trailhead's over there, which was sort of a, like a legacy or kind of like an orphaned line because there is, the Appalachian Trail goes through there. So it is it is common to see like, kind of uh, uh, worse for wear hikers, like kind of occasionally. But it, oh, okay. the way it sounded, I was mm. like, that's that's like too much. I think like, again, I kind of like simpler is better. So eventually I was sort of like, oh, you should just see them be disconcerted and leave instead of like try to engage in a longer conversation. Mm, yeah I, that's something i wouldn't do if i saw people i would not truthfully if i i would not engage i'm not much of a talker when i see strangers so i'm like hey yeah that way and then like <laughs> one opposite way um yeah yeah you say words for them like they was that before you decided on what the ghost would look like because they don't look like travelers that are just like lot that have lost their way like they, they have like you know like an aura around them so like was that before you decided what they would look like visually for the oh camera? they're so far away from her in that scene so i think it's like and i think it's the idea is like and i feel like this is a horror trip as well like before I accept that this is supernatural, let me just like scan through the most obvious kind of explanation for this really weird thing that's happening. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> it's and a really it's, short movie if you go, ghost! <laughs> <laughs> we gotta go. <laughs> um, yeah, the, yeah, and the like, I loved what you said, Ron, about how they, uh, what they're doing has nothing or what they're upset about has nothing to do with the family. I think that that's like um, like it's 
maybe antagonized or like um, aggravated by the family. But um, yeah, the ghosts are supposed to be, the idea behind them was that they basically like came out of the ground. So they have mm -hmm. like dirt and twigs and leaves. Um, but then the other piece is that like they, so much of their power is just by the fact that they like stare. Um, and that I imagined that for Tucker and Jeffrey, it was, they weren't like crossing the threshold. They weren't necessarily going into the house. So it was very inconvenient that they weren't like threatening their, threatening them so directly. Um, but yeah, the stare was really important to me. Um, just like the power of being watched constantly. Um, and that's why um, it's really obvious in one particular shot after Tucker is um, explaining um, his contraction in the McCoy field to Nora. And then we see that this man has been watching the talk. Um, I wanted his face to look like a funhouse mirror, just to mm -hmm. also reference back that their stares are so much a part of what gives him power. Um, so you can kind of see that his face is kind of melting and moving a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And, and their and eyes are red. And so it all kind of links into that. No, it does. Because um, like one thing like what um, Tucker says is he tells Nora that, well, when she, he asks her, how does, how does they make her feel? And she says they make her feel off. And that kind of, I related to that a lot because like, that we're talking about a black family existing in a space where white spirits are like just there looking at them and like i'm from the caribbean and eve and I, i've been living in canada now this is 11 years but like when we travel to certain parts outside of the gta um when we head up into, into like boon the boonies like the the country like muskoka and going like further north and even in like um we traveled um through quebec and go gone camping in like the heart or like the forest of quebec like when we get those those small towns like people will legit stop it i thought these things were just things i saw in movies and then i experienced it for myself where people like dead stop whatever they're doing and look at like look at us as we're driving past or if we get out to go to the convenience store and i that that scene kind of reminds me of that where they're they like white people will like look at us like we're anomalies like we're like we are weird and we're not of this land and they're like who are the why are these black people like traipsing across our land and that kind of that scene kind of like mimics that and it doesn't only happen in the country it happens in the city if we go into spaces where people think that we don't belong and it could be like an office building could be a mall i've had i've had people stare at me in a mall like there's other black people walking around but you know what i mean and that kind of like mirror that scene where like we we're, we're made to feel uncomfortable in, in spaces that we shouldn't feel uncomfortable in yeah yeah, yeah. And, and 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 for for me with those with these when i watch these kind of films especially when we talk about like you know like there's been a discussion recently about black horror like there's so much black horror and so much black trauma but like these kind of films i think are important because they they like trauma isn't only just physical trauma it's not about violence. It's, it's, it could be just being made to feel like you don't belong. It could be made to feel like you're not worthy of occupying the space that you're in or of owning land. And that's something that Black people have been contending with from the moment like our, our ancestors were brought across um, the Atlantic. And when, and this film, I think, because um, you're talking about Vermont, like Vermont is upstate New York, yeah? No, Vermont is yeah. on state. 
Is this happening? <laughs> it's part of New England. Part of the New uh, England. Except, yes. yes. And I yeah. know my geography people. Ignore that one. <laughs> but yes. People in Vermont are generally pretty nice, so they'd be like, yeah, it's understandable that you'd think that. Like, they wouldn't be super offended. Uh, maybe I'm thinking, is it Rhode Island I'm thinking of that? Is it Vermont, like, above New York? Yes, right? Yeah, it's okay. us, the side, kind of. Okay. So yes, yeah, they're, they're like, here. Yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> over the little hook. Okay, yeah, so I know what I'm talking about, kind of, sort of. Um, <laughs> and, so for, and, so for, and so for the three of you, for playing the scene, um, could you talk, um, I want to talk about the directing for these particular scenes because there's no dialogue, it's just the actors looking at each other. So for Annalisa, can you tell me about directing the scenes and then for the three of you playing these, these scenes in particular because... Um, Nora's experiences with the ghosts are, from what we see, are different to the experiences that Jeffrey has in the fact that we don't see, I noticed that we don't see Tucker experiencing them, but we see Nora and, and Jeffrey interacting with them. For Nora, is like, she's just like, as we said, she's just kind of like, like, okay. But then Jeffrey, there's a scene later where he gets, he just gets fed up and he's like, he starts to lose his patience and he's just like, I've been tolerating you for all this time and this is the one thing that I'm not going to tolerate you doing. So can you just tell me a bit about directing those scenes and then for you guys playing those scenes? Um, which scene, which scenes? Um, the ones, the particularly the ones where they're just watching each other because there's no dialogue. It's just like the actors. Like the actors playing the ghost looking at them and then for um nora jeffrey and tucker just like watching them and they're like looking at each other yeah um, i <laughs> talk about dirt and i'm curious what what you all what you all think um yeah i think that for me honestly some of the best performances are actually in these scenes where there isn't any dialogue um so much and that's like the power of film, right? Like so much is expressed through these glances back and forth. Um, and, you know, I think for the ghosts, for Catherine and Bob, they really took it very, very seriously. <laughs> they really committed to that. They were like, I am this person. I am just gonna, I think, and I think I kind of needed to uh, at times kind of uh, rein it in a little bit, tone it down a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about the scene where Nora is in that woodshed and sees her, sees the woman around the corner. Um, and that's actually a reference to one of my favorite movies, Mulholland Drive, where um, there is a man behind the winkies mm. and this it, it's like my one of my favorite scenes of all time so i sort of knew that i wanted her to feel like there was something back there um and i mean i think that was like one of the more more uh more fun things we were able to shoot because i was like i think what i said to you victoria was i was like well, first I asked you, can you just, we weren't even shooting. I was like, can you just react as if you saw like the worst, scariest thing ever just to see what it was? And then I was like, okay. And then take that down like 5%. 
um, which is amazing. Um, and then you really talked about like what you would be feeling like this in my stomach, like I'm gonna throw up, all these other things. And then really just that whole scene is just works because she's like motivated by a feeling to investigate what's back there. Um, which happens in horror, but I think that it's more like, you know, they hear some rustling in the closet. I mean, it's very much like, don't go towards the sound. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, exactly, my girl. <laughs> yeah, that's what my, my friends and family also said. They're like, why are you going in there? Turn around. And I'm like, no, I need to know. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think, um, sorry, Annalise, were you, you still no, talking? No, no, okay. no. Um, I also agree with that scene. I think like in the short, there's like levels of Nora, I guess, accepting what is happening to her family and specifically her, where like that scene in particular, where she hears the sound, they are so close to like the family household, like mm -hmm. proximity from where in the first scene they were like across, um, where they're like in the shed. And I think that's really terrifying because they are so physically close even though they don't want anything she doesn't know that um and yeah so like that scene was um probably one of my favorites was that and like the McCoy field um yeah where it's like Catherine wasn't there and like I had to react to something that wasn't there which was like kind of trippy which is it is acting but it was like my first time like doing that for real and I was like I was just so in my head and I was like, you know what, just we had conversations and um, yeah, I think it's like the, the wanting to investigate and then the fear and like not really knowing what they want. Cause I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think like she's aware of like them wanting the deed yet, like them wanting the house. Um, and so there's elements where they are really, um, like close to her physical realm where it's frightening. And um, yeah, I, th I think it was, it was that scene in particular was like really, um, really interesting and really scary to envision what my worst fear would be. Um, mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The reason, okay. and just to fill people in, the reason that Catherine wasn't there is obviously like oh. you're following the camera and the camera wraps around to where the is supposed to be so you're kind of like emoting at um, a man holding a steady cam yes <laughs> <laughs> yes and and for Amron playing the scene um quote this is the one close to the end but um just like kind of like um you like Annalisa so you said that Nora kind of like moves through like her reactions to like to the ghost but I find like um Jeffrey's reaction was actually the opposite where he starts out calm and this is a this is accepting, but then it reached to the point where he he's not accepting it anymore. So he's kind of like the flip side of of Nora's um journey journey through the film. So um, Ron, can you just tell tell me a bit about playing this facet of Jeffrey because he seems like the kind of person that it takes a lot for him to lose his his um temper. But when he does, he's like that. He just he just goes full on. Yeah, well, that's like me. <laughs> no, so, uh, I kind of early on after reading the script, I mean, uh, just going with 
what's on paper. He's had this place since 1983, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, and I consciously made the decision that they stayed further away and did nothing, and we just saw them in the distance for all, the, all that time. I think the deed being passed was some kind of trigger for the ghost, because if they had set fire to stuff before, there would have been a bigger conversation about this, and uh, yeah, we would not have been that calm in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, all, all of a sudden, it, things are getting burnt, and uh, they're really uh, attacking my little girl. Uh, yeah, that that makes any parent snap right there, mm -hmm. you know. So yeah, because it's, yeah, it's not only that they're attacking her, but they're attacking her birthright because this is. This exactly. Given to her. So. Exactly. I mean, he says it right at the beginning. It took me a long time to own something, and I don't want y'all to have to spend that time to own something. Mm -hmm. You know. Mm -hmm. So. And and now I want to talk about the McCoy field. I was looking online to see if there is an actual thing, but I'm wondering if this is a reference to Star Trek. <laughs> and I. <laughs> wow. Think of that. It's not. Wow. What, what in Star Trek is that? Um, Dr. McCoy. Dr. McCoy in Dr. Star Trek. <laughs> and, and then, because the McCoy people was making me think of the transporter, the transporter beams, and I was legit looking up, I legit Googled McCoy field, McCoy invisible field. Is this a real thing? So tell me about this. I want both Annalisa and, and Dillian to, to talk about this, because like Dillian, you mentioned in the beginning, like he's a, he's a, that, that's, he's going into physics, uh, physics now. There's like yeah. uh, theoretical physics, with um with invisibility and force fields and that kind of stuff so annalisa can you just tell me about this part of the script and this story and where this came from and where are your references because i'm if i can't find it i'm gonna say it's related to mccoy and star trek. <laughs> um i love this i really hope star trek fans don't like company um so and i just really have to hand it to uh de Leon, like in casting i was just like so looking for i think this was the scene for the auditions, yeah. I just really um, was looking for somebody who could talk about um, science that doesn't exist in a way that was like interesting and where you didn't like fall asleep. Um, <laughs> and I really just like believed your excitement and passion about this science. Yeah. And that is like, so me, there's so many parts of me and my brothers like in this character and just wanted to like keep keep going like i'd love to have tucker have his own like you know movie or something um, <laughs> but the mccoy field so um i and i actually workshopped this scene with my brother who is a well he's a climate scientist mm. um but we talked a lot about trees and like I said, like he says in the film, trees do produce electricity and they're super powerful. Um, and trees have, you know, so many great property, like they have, there's a network underneath the soil where trees will like know if a tree in their family, like in their species needs nutrients and they will like send nutrients to that tree. So they're just very smart and very aware of the environment. Um, so I definitely imagined that 
Tucker's aware of all of this, but I think that I loved the idea that like the trees, and this is very spiritual, but that the trees like knew that the family was supposed to be there and has a hand in protecting them. Um, so, but I'm like writing the scene and it went through, I think the most iterations. I think this was the scene where we had the most different drafts up until like the day before we shot it. Um, so additional kudos to you, Delion, for like changing the dialogue, changing all the time. Um, but I sort of realized that the more I was explaining this science that doesn't exist, because I, you know, had some theories around it. I was like, yeah, if you had like electricity in a force field, you could like warp the, what you're seeing, it could like, and that's sort of how certain invisibility technologies work. Like it's, you know, reflecting and showing you what's behind the object, but it's kind of like more cloaking. It's yeah. not invisible. Um, but the McCoy field, I came up with that as sort of a black box, the idea that like, it's meant to be a signal to the audience like, oh, this is something that they know about and accept as real, but I'm not necessarily gonna know how it works. So it's intentionally supposed to be mystery. And the name comes from Elijah McCoy. Elijah McCoy, yeah, I was good. I was wondering that. Yeah, because, um, you know, he's this um, black inventor and engineer who, kind of like revolutionized railroads, made lots of other inventions. And like in the sort of lore in my head, I just loved the idea that he had like this legacy of inventions that was sort of underground that Tucker like knows about and is using like, and he's been trying to do this for a long time. Um, yeah, so you know, he's the, just the next generation of these inventors and tinkerers. And, and there are lots of little, like, call uh, little references to other things like that. Like the deed has um, a seal that the art director made that has Oscar Michaud on it and a couple other names like hidden mm. on the deed. Um, really amazing. Dillion, I, you, wow. No, 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 and, and you know, when uh, me and Annie were having that conversation uh, and when we were uh, shooting that scene, uh, I remember thinking that when, when she was explaining, because I'm pretty sure prior to, yeah, prior to shooting, I, she had told me about Elijah McCoy and I was like, Elijah McCoy, Elijah McCoy, I got to look this, look this uh, individual up. And, um, and I kind of used that. I used that information and using that uh, I mean, on set, we, you know, had the blue, we had a lot of those blue wires, right, wrapped around the trees. I was like, okay, I'm, Tucker's building something here, right? And it's just, and, and it's such, it's, it's such palpable images that were coming to my head. And I just really just embodying that and using that to my advantage because I, there was, and I, I really love what you were saying, Annie, there w was something spiritual about, um, about all these trees, you know, that were going to offer this protection and, you know, Tucker having this knowledge and the solution to protecting the family, you know, mm -hmm. um, I think was so, was so beautiful and yeah. 
That's one of my favorite scenes, man. This... No, I, you sold it because I was I, I, was, I was looking up to see if this is a real thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, in my research, I did find um, Elijah J. McCoy because um, I think it's really neat that you this invention that you created for is something to me seems pretty plausible actually because um i remember years ago when i was doing biology i learned like the largest living organism on earth is actually a stand of trees like they're all interconnected mm. on the ground and they do and they do transfer like nutrients to each other it's like i can't remember it's somewhere it's in the states but it's like this massive like forest and researchers discovered that they're all actually it's like literally one organism but with just like like hundreds and hundreds of trees connected together. I just listened to a podcast on, um, what is it? It's like Terry Gross, where there was an episode where they're talking about the secret lives of trees. Mm. And they also talked about this, I'm forgetting the name, but like how they communicate to each other. And like, yeah. there's like this like kind of low key, like an organism, like force field between all of them, which I think that's really interesting how they all kind yeah. of align. Um, yeah. But not to cut you off, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's cool. And like, um, I don't know if you guys know, um, there is this book called The Triffids. So um, they kind of did a film adaptation. It's the one with Mark, is it Mark Wahlberg? Or it's Mark, um, the one where the trees and the plants and everything come alive. And yeah. like, it's- Yeah, The Triffids. Yeah, it's The Triffids. And like, it's, it's, like a, it's like a trilogy series. And we read this years ago in primary school, but that book always stuck with me because the, the trees do come alive and they release spores. And it's like this, they attack humanity because humanity is like, you're all tripping. So the trees, so the trees were like, yeah, we need to protect ourselves and they just release spores. And um, so I kind of like, like, I found like a lot of connections to like sci-fi and like horror. And then it, um, it, it's the one with Tessa Thompson where people turn into trees with this really scary bear. Alien, yeah. Yes. Like, and I was, I was thinking of that. I was thinking like how trees and, and like, and um, how there's so much more power in nature than we actually think about. And um, with regards to the force field, um, what it I think what, it was definitely a big visual reference at points for the film. Yeah, I, I just I just like the the whole idea of them being able to disappear, and it kind of struck me how at the end they do, and where in the in that they become ghosts on their own property. So this is one of those scenes like I sometimes I tend to read like I go like really deep into stuff and I just like like my thinking just goes like all out so I, I the way i saw that scene was like they're not invisible to the ghost so like the ghosts now are on shore the ghosts don't have any power over them because they're like well you guys want to torment us i want to be like invisible to everyone else and we're see and we can only us can see you how about we can't how about you don't be able to see us period and like it's kind of like haunting we're at the end we're hearing them laughing and they're talking and you just see like the wisp of the tea the, the steam from the tea and these things and like the ghosts are like they just wander away because they don't have any more power over them so um could you just tell me about that scene and that i took like you're referencing for that because like for me i just thought that was really powerful where that was a way for them to reclaim their own power on this land but it's also still kind of sad because they can't exist visibly they can't exist visibly as a family they can't exist visibly as black people on their own property they had to turn invisible just to able to, to live there yeah um that yeah and that was that was actually pretty hard for me um in the editing process as well because um it's such a and because it there's so much there's not much dialogue like ex, kind of explaining narrating like okay now we're going to be invisible but that means that like they can't see us but 
we can see each other. Like none of that happens. Um, but, you know, we did shoot a scene, like an epilogue scene where they're sort of happy and talking and laughing, but it didn't really make sense. I was like, I think that once they disappear, it's also that the audience can't see them either. Um, and it felt a little bit weird to, to go back into looking at them. Um, but back to your question, um, yeah, I think that it's, it's, it's really tough because I think that on the one hand, um, you know, it's, it could be seen as being like complacent. They're doing so much work to, um, they're needing to do so much work to kind of like appease, like appeasement is the way to, to escape these ghosts. But um, in the end, I think of it as like a one mode, one very effective mode of survival. Um, and I talk about the survival all the time because I think it's interesting and really like crucial to discuss like the ways that um, there are many different ways to, you know, escape oppression of all kinds. Um, and especially with this family, you know, I, I was like, who are we to critique this avenue they, they do have to find peace? Um, and, you know, in my heart, like, I believe that once they've done this, they can create Tucker's making more things, Nora's chopping more wood. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, she's, she's doing her, you know, expanding her maple business, like all of that can happen, but that can't happen until they feel safe and have this, like, the easing of the tension. Um, and... You know, it's a complicated, it's a complicated ending, but I think that, and also to me, I sort of like could see that as the way it would go down. They're not leaving. Yeah. They're, not, they're not leaving. I, I think the key word there is peace. Yeah. You know, uh, whatever you got to do to have peace. I mean, yeah. we're not going to bite. We're not here to, uh, you know, uh, try to drive you away or anything like that. We just want peace, you know? Yeah. And for, and um, so like for as actors, like you guys are there, you're performing this role, you're, you, you read the script, you go through the whole production, but like as audience, like what were your thoughts when you watched, when you first watched the film? And just like, just take yourselves out as performers, just be going like, I'm the audience and I'm watching this. Like, what were your, first, what were your, your initial thoughts about the film and especially that ending? Cause I, I just like that ending to me is like really deep. Um, <laughs> but for you, but for the three of you, like, what were your thoughts watching it? I was so blown away by the uh, magic of it. I, I, I haven't done I haven't done a piece where where you know we we use like you know, CGI and and because we spent so much time with the McCoy field and like making sure it was we got just un, I remember <laughs> I remember shooting especially that last scene just like getting under that that uh that blue line just enough to make you know us disappear and it was it was it was amazing you know and so I, th that was me you know being blown away by the magic of the thing. Uh, but 
Yeah, and and uh, I'm sorry. What was the what was the other part of your question? You um, just like as as audience, just like about how everything just comes together, how it plays out at the end, especially with how the story for these characters. And because the way I saw it is that, in a way, they they turned the tables on the ghosts themselves because they're yeah. not ghosts to the they're not ghosts to the ghosts. Like all the ghosts can do is hear them, but they yeah. can't see them. So I thought it was I thought it was actually kind of profound. It's sad, but also still kind of profound that they got to be able to the tables that way yeah it it, it is sad because it was like you were saying earlier of just like how you know especially with these ghosts being being white white as well right is how um i mean if i'm drawing parallels here just how white people can make you feel uncomfortable in in your own space and so i thought i thought there were very a lot of powerful images that we were getting um that i was getting watching the film uh in just in order and and i was just like oh man wow this this is incredible and it's and it's so it's so deep you know because ownership ownership is a huge thing survival is a huge thing uh with this film and so many different elements and so i'm just uh yeah i was really just blown away just how many just the the huge conversations that we're having today, mm -hmm. uh, right now, um, and just how so many of those conversations were just this 14 minute short, <laughs> you know, is just all in there. So, yeah. Yeah. And Ron and Victoria? Um, I think it's a, a very timely piece. I think it's like watching it for the first time, I was blown away by like all of the elements of like, this is what makes the film because we, we 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 were there we shot it but like it's the sound design and yeah. you know um just kind of the lighting and this and the vfx and and kind of it was just like a very smart piece um and i am like watch i watched it with some friends and they asked me they were like was it on purpose to make the ghost white and i was like yes and and then we it kind of went into like this discussion of like you know property and and as Annalisa said legacy and kind of like the land and 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 what is under the land and, and kind of unearthing all of these feelings about you know family individualism but also like collectivism um and so yeah I mean watching it for the first time I was truly blown away by like the the cast and the crew i was like oh we did this in like a couple of days yeah. <laughs> and like it was so much fun and kind of it was hard to watch it and not think of like memories of like oh i remember like not like watching with friends and being like yeah so that day you know like i fell and or like yeah so my mom like my dad and my brother you know they didn't have to be on they had like a half day you know like wanting to fill them in yeah. on like the set work environment um but I, I thought about like the draft where the first page, which it got, I, I, think, I think you guys made like drafts about it, but it was like a quote from the invisible man. Mm. And mm. I kept thinking about that. Um, and just kind of, I'm like, this family is, is smart. Of course they're gonna, I mean, yeah, of course they're gonna outsmart these, you know, really odd, peculiar, ghosts you know black people are the moment um and i just i was i 
I was rooting for, I was rooting for them. I was rooting for us. Boo boo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for the young ones who don't know, that's for us by us. <laughs> Word. Yeah, yeah. But also, I just wanted to say how like there isn't. It's like a psychological thriller and like the, the the traumatic effects that it has on the psyche rather than like the blood and the gore um and that like yeah. there isn't violence that is proje like projected on screen and i think there's like a really smart way to have these discussions of lineage and the importance of family without having it to be so violent and like an yeah. emphasis on the violence and a to, to go from the question you asked earlier, that's what really attracted me to the film was that there wasn't, like if a black woman wrote this, is directing it. That's, yeah. I've never been on a film project where it was a black woman directing and writing. Um, and that it and wasn't- my first it, also. I yeah, it was- In it forever. <laughs> it, it, like, it, wasn't, it wasn't a film that was just like, like being drenched in yeah. violence and gore. And yeah. you know, I find that to be important in, in cinema that's something in all arts that's something that we have to kind of branch out of there's a newer refreshing way to do have these dialogues where it doesn't have to be an emphasis on like brutality yeah so, yeah i was uh personally very pleased with the whole pacing and breadth of the thing mm -hmm. I, I mean uh, when I saw it was 14 minutes, I was in a panic. I thought, oh, my God, we didn't get all that stuff in 14 minutes. No, no way. But uh, to sit back and watch it and just, you know, uh, be an audience member for the first time, I was, like, really pleased with how smooth and polished it felt. Mm -hmm. I was yeah. very happy about that. Yeah, I want to get a bit into the technical aspect of it a little bit, but going to something that both um, Victoria and Delion said, it, when you say something like this is timely, I have to like completely agree because it kind of always fascinates me how when, when films like this um, always usually come out almost in clumps and they're always like just come out and they're all usually dealing with certain aspects of like history uh, from, from different angles, but then it all just like, if you look at them, if you spread them out, they all kind of relate in the same way. And it's almost like serendipitous because they made, as you were talking, I thought of like the docu-series by Don Porter that's going to be coming out for National Geographic called um, Rise Again. It's about the Tulsa massacres. And mm. then, um, but what, she, she talks about the massacres, but then she also talks about the ownership, about how uh, black people were attacked because of ownership and like, you know, people didn't, white people didn't want them to own their land. White people didn't want it to be prosperous. So this, so it kind of like made me think of that, and then you have this coming out, and then I'm looking, thinking of Underground Railroad, um, Barry Jenkins show, and mm -hmm. like, yes, he's talking about slavery, but he's talking about the right to exist as black people mm -hmm. on the land, and then like we, and recently, just this week, I watched um, um, High on the Hog, and we did a round table with the, um, with the, with the host, with the documentarian and the executive crew for um, the African American Film Critics Association. That round table we recorded. A couple of days ago and that to me kind of talks about the ownership of black culture and ownership of food and how we were able to like hold on to like our culture um through all through slavery and all through everything that came after we um um the re-industrial re what was the word i'm looking for again um the industrial um, revolution and all of these things we were able to hold on to our culture through food and like, and that your film is talking about holding on to birthrights, and like it, like it kind of, it always fascinates me when I watch things, and they all just 
serendipitously relate to each other. So I, I would say these kind of films are very timely and they are always necessary, despite what people say talking about black trauma. I'm like, listen, unfortunately, that is our heritage. But it all doesn't have to be blood, guts, and gore. It, you're talking about the, about the psychological trauma. You're talking about also being able to show and and prove that Black people can take back their power. Black people can do whatever. They talk about Tulsa. Black people still were able to prosper afterwards, but they just also have to be able to process the grief that comes with the, with the with what happened before. And um, like we all say, that you can't understand your present and your future without understanding your past. And unfortunately, a lot of our past is painful. But that doesn't make us any less for acknowledging it. I think it makes us more because it, it shows us how resilient we are as a people. It shows us like through all the things we go through, we're still able to pick up and create. We're creators and we're actors. You guys are actors and 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 Elisa, you're writing and directing and you're showing your own your own history and your own heritage through this film. Because like you said you talked at you earlier, you mentioned your family owned the same house <laughs> that you're filming in. So I think that's like really I think that's almost like magical that you're able to talk film this story in something that you yourself have like a personal connection to and so it's like i don't listen to the naysayers all around <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and um so now now going to the technical aspect how did you do it so like coming up with the concept of how the ghost would look and then the force how the force feel itself look because it like you like you do have to like have these discussions with your cinematographer and then with VFX crew. So just tell me a little bit about creating that part of the film. Yeah. Um, so the cinematographer is uh, Charlotte Hornsby, who is incredible and uh, just just phenomenal. Um, and we just um, we just wrapped up a movie, Master, that will be coming out on Amazon later this year that she shot um, uh, starring Regina Hall. It was it's it's also very, it's horror and it's, it's heavy, but I, I was the first AD on that. Anyway, Charlotte, amazing. Um, and working with her is so great because she just really like immersed herself in the script. Um, we, we were able to, you know, really great that, um, you know, it's our house. So we were able to go there many times and, um, you know, she like photographed the house or like the settings, the places where we were shoot we photographed it at like every time of day pretty much because we were like staying there and then we were able to be like oh like this room looks best at this time of day kind of like really schedule it out for seeing um these scenes at like ideal lighting time um and then yeah you know i i think of the look the look of the film i as you can probably tell, I'm just like a student of science fiction. I love it. I I majored in English and creative writing, but my thesis was on Afrofuturism. I'm like very deep fan. So I think that I, you know, I kind of wanted it to look like, I had a really specific idea in my head and I wanted it to look like this sort of like magical, mysterious. And green is one of those colors that um, looks really, and I'm gonna, I wish there was like a cinematographer here that could explain why this happens, but green is something that looks very strange on film. Um, we shot, we didn't shoot on film, but we, um, did at a film grade later during the 
color process. Um, but I really, you know, obviously the trees are a huge part of the film. So I really wanted green to be like throughout it. And I think that my memories of going to Vermont as a kid, I just remember the green being like so striking to my eyes, like coming from the city where we do have trees, obviously, but not that many trees. Um, and then with the, the tubing, you know, and the, the special effects side of things, um, I love movies that use practical effects as much as possible. Um, so the tubing is like, our art director, Cooper Campbell, actually like individually threaded, um, I think we ended up using EL wire, but I can't remember, through all of these tubes and this maple farm up the road like gave us a ton. Um, so really painstaking process, but it ended up being kind of this like big sculpture that he created with all of these. So the tubing like has no special effects added to it. It just mm -hmm. looks like blue and glowing naturally. Like we didn't even color, we didn't even add anything color correct. Like it just looks like that, which is amazing. Um, and, but yeah, I think for the, and then like, you know, I think it was like low budget. I think that we shot it with the idea that we maybe wouldn't have like any money for uh, visual effects or like very little, just, you know, thankfully for the invisibility, like we sort of did the classic, like, you know, shooting a plate, like Dillion mentioned, we had them kind of <laughs> crawl under <laughs> the screen. Um, but then with, with Victoria disappearing, um, there is no, there are no effects there. It's like all in camera. Mm -hmm. uh, we're pretending that we're following her and you kind of like pull it out of the way. Um, yeah, and you know, but then of course there's a lot to do with the ghosts and we added a lot of smoke and uh, Mike Barnett who did visual effects just did a really great job. Like, I was always, I think, mm -hmm getting very technical. I think that you can, when you're adding visual effects to um, something that's digital, that's um, shot digitally, it kind of like can look, it can look really obvious. Like if you're adding yeah. smoke, because we did have smoke on location, but we, I wanted to add more, like it was coming off of mm. the ghosts. Um, and then obviously their eyes are red and their faces are melting. Um, but I think that like others have mentioned, the film is all, it's a psychological thriller. So I think that a little goes a long way um, effects wise. And especially for filmmakers on a smaller budget, um, like, and it's just more fun to do stuff practically and in camera um, rather than, you know, making it Making all the monsters. Yeah, no, practical always. Practical is always better, if you ask me. Because especially for short films, because I've seen short films where, um, I like I watch a lot of short films because I do something called Saturday Night Sci-Fi. So every quarter we do a live, we do a live viewing where we, um, we curate a list of short films, and yours will be added if we if it's if I can get it. Um, where we do like different genres and the ones that always get the best reactions from our tweeters are the ones that use like almost strictly practical effects like very few of them have like a lot of a lot of VFX and I think that's because like 
it helps us to buy into the reality of it and it helps us it, it's more it makes things more believable like as i said i completely bought into this whole like mccoy field thing and <laughs> and that's anything that that's a credit to you and to your team because that like, you you like like as you said like a little goes a long way and it does it does really work with this with this film and it doesn't feel like um it's something um unbelievable in the universe that you've created right it doesn't feel like 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 told him how to do this it feels like completely um completely believable so like kudos to the team <laughs> it was fun yeah, to mean, watch on set too i will i will yeah. admit like to watch like the team kind of get into these like conversations of like how we're we gonna yeah. pull the door how we're we gonna do this we're gonna do how did, how did that look and like watching it on screen and being like it was just so fun. I'm like, you guys are just so dexterous. Like, wow. Yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. the first time we walked up the hill and saw the house wrapped with all the poles and stuff. I was like, wow. Wow. Right? That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> That's just yeah. beautiful. It almost be like Christmas, almost. But exactly. I love it. Yeah. I wanted to keep it up forever. I will say, though, for the McCoy Field, that was definitely like a really so pleased. That was a huge union between like what we did on set. Um, you know, with Victoria's hand, like those sorts of moments, because, yeah. you know, the field, you see it ripple a little bit, and sound design-wise, um, you know, it has sort of a ripple, almost like sticky sound that is married to it. And then the tubes have their own sound. It's sort of like a buzzing, but it's also sort of like water, we spent a lot mm. of time designing the sound that they make. These sorts of things that you aren't like noticing them all and it would be hard to watch a movie if you were like, oh, and that, I'm hearing that and I'm seeing that. Right. But, um, but then also with score, you know, the tube, the sound that we have for the tubes is actually like tuned to the score at moments. Mm -hmm. um, all of those were kind of interacting together, um, which I just think is so fun. Yeah. To me, the Mokai feel has texture because it looks, um, the way I saw it is like, um, like you, you talked about the song, but I, I, to me, it almost like has a visual texture where it, it felt it, like if she put her hand through it, it felt like it, to me, it seemed like it would be sticky. Like she would actually have to like pull her hand away and she like could actually feel it. Um, that's that's what I was thinking when I saw it. I'm like, this thing looks like it has like substance to it. Like it has like density. So I thought that was interesting. And I was wondering, are, would animals disappear too or is it just them? That is something I've, well, they do because you see the, the, yeah. the toad jump <laughs> into it and disappear. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that it's, and that gets a little tricky, right? Like would bugs, would it all <laughs> critters? Like, but yeah, I think it's like anything that's, um, in my mind, it was like anything that's moving, that's alive, that's moving like relatively fast. Yeah, so anything that's organic and has like a, a basically electrical, which means the ghosts can't get through because they don't have mass. No, they don't. Ah, yeah. okay. All right. <laughs> so I'm getting a bit technical there. Um, I, I guess, love it, Carolyn. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, when I watch these, like people always like, you get so, you read so much into Bill. I'm like, this is how I am. <laughs> this is film criticism. Uh, right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a nerd. Field be like a new, um, 
you're gonna have McCoy Field truthers out there that are like, I'm gonna prove that this exists. No, like, listen, I'm listen, I'm, I'm positive someone will probably be like, I can possibly prove it. Because in, in school, didn't we like you remember we used to do the things with the potato, do electricity yeah. with the potatoes and salt water and that kind oh, of stuff. Oh yeah. Like yeah. someone could someone would probably try it. You know, people are always out here making things, they just be like, you know, you should leave things alone, making robotic dogs stop. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is, has been so much fun. <laughs> Thank you so much, all of you, for speaking with me. This, like, I really enjoyed the film, as you can tell. And mm -hmm. I really enjoy like, everything that you and the team have put into it. Um, I, can you just tell us where, we, where people will be able to see it after, after it leaves the festival? Are you going to another one? Um, yes, we are going to another festival very soon. Um, and it will be available. So it'll be available virtually. Um, it will be at Black Star. They haven't, I'm not sure when this is airing, but they haven't like officially announced, but yes, so that's where it will be playing next. Um, uh, and hoping, hoping to have it be available online like more widely soon after, after uh, we finish the festival. Yeah. Are you, are you looking at TIFF? Um, I don't think so. The missions have possibly cold. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm covering TIFF, so I'm like, that would have been fun to cover. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, and, and more to come. I think in terms of keeping people up to date, I've been like sharing through Instagram, um, but hoping to get a more permanent place to keep updates from the film going forward. Um, Great. So yeah, so um, so I'll be I'll Shelly will be telling me where um like we can find it afterwards. But for all of you, could you just tell everyone where they can find you on social media and find your work and any upcoming projects that you have that you would like that you can announce if, just in case you can't. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, Delion Dallas. My Instagram handle is Delion D Dallas, and uh, upcoming projects actually I'm. I'll be making a premiere in the upcoming season of Power Book 3, uh, Raising Canaan. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I catch me in those those last four episodes, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And Ron? July 18th. Sorry. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, Victoria. Oh, um, uh, uh, you, okay. Uh, my Instagram is uh, Victoire Villy, uh, Victoire spelled the French way, Villy, V-I-L-L-E-E. -E. Um, and then um, I am publishing, self-publishing like an art book zine on uh, black hair texture and protective styling and how it's also architecture and the way it takes up space. Um, so I'm self-publishing. I didn't get any grants, but whatever. Um, I've been saving for it. So um, I'll let people know wh when you can purchase it. And it's like archival collage work and that I've done. So yeah. Come on, let's go. Come on. And you're and you're okay. and you're going to grad school. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah. I'm I'm going <laughs> Yo, to congrats. Thank That's you. what's up. Thank let's you. go. Yeah, I'm I'm going to grad school in September. Yeah. Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And you're run. Are you on social media? No, I'm not, actually. <laughs> Still not. <laughs> but it's the wonderful world of possibilities out there. So, you know, I'm just getting back into it. And uh, I've been working with a group uh, 
during the whole pandemic, we were doing cold readings every Tuesday, Naked Angels, uh, working with a filmmaker. I, I did a film called uh, Black Magic uh, for White Boys. And we're looking at doing some other project this fall. So, you know, wonderful world of possibilities out there. Honest yeah, I'm just so happy that we found you. You're like, you're amazing. And I absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And for you, yeah, Annalisa. Um, yeah. So people can find me on the social, on a Instagram at Annie, like A-N-N-I-E, J-Lo. Um, you know, I'm supporting this film through its festival run and, uh, directing a short film uh, that we're gonna shoot next in August um, with Mary Glenn, who is Nora's friend in the film for a brief <laughs> moment. Um, also sci-fi uh, zombie apocalypse um, film nice. and also developing a feature, um, which is not necessarily an extension of inheritance, but deals with similar topics. Um, but it's more of a like, sort of feel like it's a utopia cult film that perhaps would take place much further into the future where they've sort of created this like ideal society and um, much less about, you know, the deleterious effects of, um, racism over the centuries and more like, what do we do now that we have created this society? Will the McCoy field be making an appearance? Um, you know, <laughs> I, <laughs> I feel like this conversation has really, really um, set that fire again. So hopefully, yeah. no, I'm not done. I'm not done creating fake science. <laughs> you never know it could be it could play a part in the in their thing you know like they're walking through they're like you have to, if it's like a cultish as you said like to pass the test you gotta walk through the mccoy field the mccoy field only lets black people through and you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i'm so sorry that's so weird we thought the mccoy field accepted everybody you know you gotta <laughs> You know, like we've been saying on recently on Twitter, we maybe black people need to start gatekeeping things too. That's like, you know, this is our gatekeep. You can get through. Well, <laughs> then where would Sean King go? I just wanted to, you know, make a he, he, he not getting through. He not getting through. <laughs> it's very inappropriate. I'm sorry. He gets, listen, he gets bounced back. Listen. <laughs> Turn out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this was so much fun then. Thank you guys so much for talking with me. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you.